Hello, cheeky babes. I'm Kareen. And I'm Kate. And you sound like shit. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk a little bit about that in a sec. But today is episode 16 and I was lucky enough to talk to Sammy Rose about binge eating and body image. We'll get into that. But first, hello, Kate Paddle. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastically. So I'm actually not at all interviewing on this episode today because I have the spicy cough. No. Every like three seconds I fall into a coughing fit, so it wouldn't have been very ideal to be on the podcast, but <laughs> we thought we'd do the intro. So, yeah, I'm day six, COVID. Um, day, this is the most fucked up thing. I actually haven't told you this, and I don't know if you know this, but... Um, you have to be in isolation. This is New South Wales rules anyway. You have to be in isolation for seven days. Mm. Even if you're still testing positive, you can come out of isolation. Mm, I've heard that. So apparently you're contagious for like three or four days and they were just being seven by giving you, sorry, well, words, just being <laughs> um, safe by giving you seven days of ISO. Yeah. But like so my mum got sick two days before me, so she's technically can come out of ISO now. She's done the seven days, but yeah, she's still testing positive, but you're allowed to go out into the community, even though you're still positive, but apparently you're just not contagious. Contagious. Yeah. It's still just like a bit crazy to me. Cause I'm like, you're still positive. I get it. You're not contagious. And I guess you can't give it to anyone, but like you still have COVID. Like, I don't know, after all of these two years of mm. fucking bullshit of lockdowns and this and that, and now they're just like, yep, seven days, you're good, you're still positive, but no worries, go out into the community, all good. It just seems really fucking dumb to me. It, it's hard to wrap your head around, and I'm thankful that I haven't had the good old spicy cough. Oh, <laughs> Kate just had, had one of those coffee bits. Um <laughs> I have been lucky enough so far to skirt around the edges of getting COVID. So um, I haven't really had to analyze how I feel about it in a while. And I'm thankful for that because it just took up so much of my brain space. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm pretty, I was pretty fucking pissed off that I got it if I'm being completely honest. So I've also skirted around it for two plus years. And I think that's testament to living in a small town. Like, Mm. you know, there's not that many chances to get it. Um, there wasn't that many cases here across the two years and most of them came from people travelling through or coming to stay here anyway. Um, but, yeah, so it was, like, one of the first times that I went away. Yeah. <laughs> two years. And not to throw them under the bus, although I'm about to, like, people that, um, like, people came to the wedding with their spouse at home sick and they felt fine, but then they were sick the very next day and, I don't know, I guess you've got to live your life and all this shit, but one person caused like 45 plus positive cases at this one event. So just a reminder, look, and I think this is just general health rules that or guidelines that, you know, if you're sick, you just stay home regardless of, of like even the common cold can uh, impact people greatly. So just your friendly reminder on the body yeah. today. If you're sick, just stay home, guys. Yeah. Although she, like, I think she said she felt okay, so she thought it was fine. But, like, mm. her fucking spouse, her husband was, anyway, whatever. It is what it is. It sucks. I've, I think I, 
it, I find it really interesting how like everyone, it impacts everyone differently. Mm. Um, like mum, for example, was like literally fucking, <laughs> she would like <laughs> wake up in like a pool of sweat and so much so that she could like wring out her pajamas. Like that's how sweaty she was with fevers and stuff. Um, I was sweaty, but not to that extent. And then, of course, like just impacts everyone differently, which was really fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, six days in, I feel pretty good today. Like energetically, I look alive, which you is look, really good. You look a lot better. That's the first thing I commented on. I was like, wow, you actually look somewhat healthy. <laughs> yeah, but um, I like I couldn't go back to the gym or anything. Like I don't, mm. I don't feel strong, but I feel energetically like a bit more lively and my brain functioning a bit better. Um, and yeah, just a bit of a sore throat, still a bit congested, but it just kind of feels like a bad flu now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're getting better. It's nice to have you back. I've kind of missed talking to you about normal stuff <laughs> yeah. outside of going, how are you? How like, are you? I do care. And I <laughs> did want to make sure you were all right, but you know, I'm selfish and greedy and I want my normal Kate P back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of consumed my life had a beautiful wedding my cousin's wedding um my first cousins our whole like except for my brother who lives overseas but like there's there's nine first cousins and eight of us were there um and I haven't told you this but I cried because I got asked to like MC a portion of one of my cousin's weddings in October and oh on that day so yeah, on, uh, yeah a separate yeah. occasion yeah wow and I was like oh my god that's so nice Aww. So that was fun. Um, I actually cried on the night. I'm like, oh, it's such an honour to be like a big part of someone's wedding. It's not like it's like a it's like a small MC role of it, like a section, but still, um, I thought that was so nice. Anyway, so yeah, and outside of that, the Body Confidence Bible launched last week. People are signing off. It's so exciting. So good. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's all happening. That's it's been like a big lead up to that happening um and we will definitely be doing a I think we said this in the last week's episode but we'll be definitely doing a episode on fear of failure and like our experiences with that because inner critic tends to fucking Mm. write her ugly head in times of launching so that's been an interesting experience but yeah it's out there so if you struggle with body confidence get the fuck in no get it around (laughs) um yeah, so that's me. What's what's been happening with you? Oh, I don't even like I was thinking just then, oh, I've got to talk about my week. I haven't really <laughs> kind of jogged on my memory. Um, we've been doing a lot of autumn cleaning um around the house. Awesome. I don't know, I think pardon? Pressure awesome. cleaning. You said awesome. Awesome, awesome. Um I'm like, what? Pressure cleaning? What <laughs> get pressure cleaning? out of autumn but I did pressure well, cleaning, been doing pressure yeah. cleaning. <laughs> and I sent some pictures to Kate because I'm like it's so addictive just seeing something so dirty and then you're like zhuzh it and then it's clean I was it's like what fulfilling before and after I spent hours doing it like I was just in this like this crazy state like it was um yeah just a form of meditation I guess I wasn't really thinking I had music on I was just vibing and being um but, yeah, I think I've just taken a bit of pressure off myself with work, which is nice. I think it's just me evolving within 
my workspace and just realizing like whether I put pressure on myself or not, it, it doesn't change the outcome. Like I'm just unnecessary. <laughs> I'm unnecessary, putting unnecessary shit on myself. Um, like, cause I'm working hard anyway. So just fucking go with the flow. Right. So it's been nice to kind of have a bit more of that mental space and just accepting things and knowing that I'm still working towards what I want. Um, yeah. So I've just been doing a little bit more around the house. Eddie's done the deck out the back. Um, you know very well what it's like to live in a renovation mess and it just kind of eats away at you. And that, that the deck is a big functional part of our space as well. So it's nice to have that back. Um, the boys have just been in really good places. Like Jackson is just being so sweet. Like, and it's just nice to, and he's going to school next year. Oh, and it's really starting to like hit me. So it's just, I think maybe I'm maybe appreciating him a little bit more and, you know, my little baby is going to school and it's this big thing. He's so excited because he's seen a lot of his friends go to school. Um, he wants to be the big kid. So, yeah, yeah, and it's, they've been, him and his brother have just been getting along really well lately and there hasn't been much squabbling or bickering between them, which is just always nice for the ears. But <laughs> just seeing them play together and, you know, I didn't have that relationship with my sister growing up because we were in a volatile household. So it's just really nice to see them love each other. And that's like, I guess that's all I ever wanted with my sister and in my home and like to have created that for them is just so heartwarming. And it's so nice. Just, I mean, they play like boys. They're so rough with each other, but they're laughing, they're on the trampoline, like just like KOing each other and <laughs> but hearing them laugh and play together is just yeah, it's really beautiful. So it's been I guess a good week overall. It's nice reflecting and I've got a big smile on my face. Um mm. just being grateful for what I have and working for what I want and trying not to let <clears throat> yeah, that that you know mean girl voice take over. And I think I've been practicing a lot and I think it's because I I have faith in what I'm doing and I'm doing it differently than I ever have before and I'm just I'm so confident and what I'm doing is what people need so yeah I'm really excited Hmm, that's awesome yay yay Alrighty. so what did you speak to Sammy about this week um it was really good just to get to know Sammy a little bit um, a little bit more you'll hear us have a chat um, yes I mean I've been following it, each other for a while on social media maybe like 10 or more years and it was really like I've never had a chat with her <laughs> had an account for 10 years yeah yeah, yeah I, I maybe we haven't yeah because even one of my clients who I coached when I first became a PT she said to me she was like you were so like she goes, you knew this was going to happen. You were on Instagram. You were doing stuff. She's like, you knew that Instagram was going to be a thing and this be- was before it was even a thing. And I've been qualified PT for like 11, maybe t- coming up 12 years. Fuck. Yeah. So and uh, she was competing in 2014. So what's that, eight years ago? I guess that's true because what? Are we- I'm 30 and I had my account I remember posting way worse shit when I was, like, 19, 20. So that's fucking crazy. Mm, It's mind-blowing, hey? Crazy. 
yeah, yeah. So it was just nice to catch up with her really and just talk to her human to human rather than through uh, messaging and Instagram. But yeah, we talked a lot about um, her experiences with bodybuilding and then how when she finished bodybuilding, she went through a period of binge eating and what she kind of had to learn and the acceptance that she had to come with uh, where her body was at that particular point and talked about how her business shifted as well to where it is now. Give some really handy tips on if you are struggling with body image or binge eating. Um, yeah, so it was really great to have an awesome conversation. Sweet. So should we get into the episode? Let's go. Sammy, hello. How are you? I'm good. It's so great to chat to you. We've known each other for so long, I feel. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've followed each other on social media since since years. the beginning, I reckon. Yeah. yeah, I wonder how many years it's been. A very long time. Yeah, and I've really, I'm just really excited to have you here today and really excited to chat. And yeah, I personally followed your journey through so many seemingly pivotal moments in your mm. life. And yeah, I'm just really excited to talk a little bit more about, about that. But first, I just like to start off with where did it all start for you? What was it like? growing up because we know that our childhood can play a big role in you know what happens in our future and how it shapes our mind so what was it like for you growing up Sammy? Hmm, interesting question um well I'm the eldest of six kids yes so um big family I have an Italian background so there were lots of us we were all three years apart so pretty pretty close to all of my siblings um especially now they're all also yeah um and as a kid I mean I was always pretty fun and outgoing I did dance so that was like my obsession from you know started when I was three and danced until 21 yes um so that's kind of where I started, I was never really like a sporty kid or anything like that. I was smart in school, but definitely not sports. Dance was my thing, a little bit of gymnastics, and that was kind of it. Um, so, yeah, growing up, it was this busy household and, um, you know, dance class, social life, keeping up with school, all that good stuff. But I grew up in Melbourne and I'm now in Brisbane, so I've had a bit of a a change in where I live as well over the last I minutes mean, for like 10 years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I had a pretty normal childhood, I guess, yep. growing up, lots of normal hobbies and bits and pieces and being crafty and singing and dancing around and um, just kind of figuring out who I was amongst the chaos of this big family and where I fit into that. Um, and then, yeah, school and everything happened and I feel like I changed a lot in my high school years and then again sort of in my 20s when I moved up yeah. to Brisbane and I feel like I've lived about five different lifetimes <laughs> so far. <laughs> and what was it like growing up with uh, six kids in your family? So I've only got the one sister, mm. um, so I yeah have no idea. What is it like growing up in a big family? What, are, what would you say are like the pros and cons I guess um it's very loud yeah. <laughs> especially with our personalities it was very like um almost competing all the time to be the one to get mom's attention or like look at this and take me here and it was chaotic at times but my mom's an absolute trooper and just made it kind of work for us um pros and cons wise I think it's great to have like built-in besties yeah. Um, we didn't always all get along and yeah. there were definitely times that we clashed or, I mean, not so much me, but there were sort of 
everyone was kind of paired up, I guess. There was like me and my next sister down were the closest and we like really had a lot of similar friends and you know, spent a lot of time together. And then the next two were really close. And then the youngest two are like almost twins, honestly. And they look completely different to the rest of us and identical to each other. So it's wild that we've kind of paired yeah. up. Um, but it's been so good to like not just have that growing up, but now as everyone's older and everyone's adults, my youngest sister I think is 20 or about to turn 21, I think. Yeah. Um, and we all just get along so well. So it's such a blessing um, to be yeah. a part of a big family. But I guess cons-wise, you didn't always get that like individual dedicated time, I guess, with parents. And it was always learning to slot in with what everyone else is doing, you know, when there was other people's dance classes and sports and this and that it was had to I guess have a lot of patience and wait your turn so it's a good life skill to have (laughs) yeah it is a good life skill and as a parent myself with two kids I could only imagine what it would be like to have six like I don't know how my mum did it she (laughs) blows my mind every day that she pulled it off and that we're all pretty normal (laughs) Um, I I don't know she's an amazing woman (laughs) and it was your mum's birthday on the weekend it was she turned 60 um so it was really great to go down to Melbourne and see my family um it's the first time I've seen them in almost a year um and only really I think twice I've been down before that since the whole pandemic thing started normally I would travel down three four times a year I'm pretty frequent and I can sometimes go to business and things like that um, so it had been a while and it was really good to spend time with mom and celebrate her birthday. And my brother's about to move to Europe. And then one of my sisters just had a baby. So it was like great timing to kind of get everything all sorted over the last couple of days and just cram in as much quality time as possible. Yeah, it sounds really lovely. Um, and is most of your family still in Melbourne? Yes, everyone's still yep. in Melbourne. Um, my next sister down did move up for a couple of years to the Gold Coast. So that was really nice to have her up here. But that was a while ago now. She moved back down after maybe a year and a half. Um, so it was really nice to have her here while she was here. But yeah, everyone's back down there now. Um, and you know, my mom's probably still a bit sad that I don't live there. But yeah. I, don't think, I think I'll ever move back. I've been here for 10 years now and I've just bought a house and I really... I love it here in Brisbane, so I'll probably say. Yeah, and what was the decision to move for you? Because Melbourne and Brisbane are different. They're very Mm. different. They're still cities, but. Yeah, totally different vibes. Um, I, it was kind of on a whim, honestly. I had done a Kentucky tour for my 25th birthday, so going back a long time now, Um, and I did it on my own. I had like recently gone for a breakup and I was like, you know what? I want to travel. I've never been overseas. So I booked this like three week trip um, to the US and went on a Kentucky and made all these amazing friends. And a bunch of them lived on the Gold Coast. So there was a few that had like traveled together. And then there was a couple in Brisbane as well that I had made friends with at the time. So after that tour, we all stayed in contact and I um, came up a couple of times to visit them and stay with them and hang out and We all just were having such a great time and one of the girls that lived in Brisbane had a partner who worked away at the mines and she was like, look, he's never here and I've got a spare bedroom. If you ever want to move up, like, we can hang out, you know, it'll be so fun. I was like, you know what? Sure, if a job pops up, maybe I'll move up for a year and just kind of hang out with you guys and have all these new friends because my Melbourne friends at the time are all in a different stage in life. They're all getting married, starting to have kids. And I was like, this seems fun. Um, So I moved up and just loved it and I've stayed ever since I kind of 
after maybe six or 12 months, I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going home anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. So enjoying the lifestyle up in Brizzy. A lot yeah. warmer. <laughs> the weather's so great. Everyone's so outdoorsy. And Brisbane, especially like in the 10 years I've been here, has like progressed so much. And it definitely has like amazing food and coffee and nightlife and just things to do. So, um, you know, it's not the little quiet, sleepy city that it used to be. And it's, yeah, it's just such a great place to live. And it, it fits my vibe, I think. So, yeah, yeah nice. And, um, <laughs> you know, I do follow you on social media and I've seen a lot of your house sagas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) don't recommend (laughs) buying a house when they're mid-renovation because they will just uh dip out on you and not finish things that was yeah a lesson learnt being really stressful um learning my lesson not to trust people's word and get things in writing uh which I should have known but never bought a house before and I was doing this on my own so I just kind of took their word that this this and this would be finished and you know I was promised a completed house and it uh has definitely got a lot of problems and things that's costing me a lot of money to fix but I love it and it's so quirky it has so much character like it's just such a me house that even though there are stressful parts that are very much sending me broke <laughs> and insane at the same time um I, yeah I probably wouldn't want to live anywhere else I feel like I have to be grateful for what I've got because it just, I don't think I would have ever found a house that I love as much as this one. So if it comes with a few dramas and I just got to find a way to make it work. <laughs> yeah. And how did you fare in the flood? So I saw that the water kind of came up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, several inches high, but it wasn't. Um, so my house is a raised Queenslander, fully like an entire floor up and it's up on poles. So luckily the actual living space had no water, no damage other than um, I lost power to my fridge for a couple of days. Um, but that was fine afterwards. And, yeah, downstairs is just like a garage storage area, um, my laundry. So it's been a few things damaged. I need to get a new washing machine and dryer. I'm waiting for all of the insurance stuff to kind of – they're very busy, so I'm not going to yeah. expect anything anytime soon. But, yeah, I'm very grateful that it was minimal damage because I kind of planned for that. Any of my storage stuff downstairs, I was like, well – I do live in a flood zone. I'm going to put everything in plastic tubs. And yeah. and so thankfully pretty much like all my personal items and stuff were fine. It didn't get high enough to kind of submerge those boxes. So yeah. just a bit of mud down there to deal with and it should be fine. <laughs> yeah. Where we were in a similar situation, saw oh. the water rising and it was like, oh, yeah, brick no. away from coming in. But we are, yeah, just so thankful that our it house is so yeah. much worse. And I like, it was stressful at the time because I didn't know how much worse it was going to get yeah. and it was inching up a higher around my car and like, oh, my car's not fully insured. I've only got a third party. If this, you know, gets submerged, I'm going to buy a new car. Like my brain was just yeah. thinking like a million worst case scenarios in those couple of hours that it was really peaking. But, yeah, really grateful that it wasn't worse. My entire street was like river rapids. It was actually yeah. terrifying like how fast the water was moving and I was like standing at my front gate kind of like holding onto a pole and make sure it didn't wash me away and yeah. there's just these like debris just whizzing past there's this broom that just was like flying down the street and a, a tire from the tire factory down the road and it just it was a little scary um but yeah definitely grateful that it wasn't worse for me and my heart just goes out to everyone who's mm. lost their entire homes and so much cleanup and and lost items I just yeah, it breaks my heart that so many people have been struggling for something that's so just 
out of the blue and awful. Yeah, and it happens so quick, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it just it happens. You experience yeah. it, and and for a lot of people, like the water recedes, but you know the mm-hmm. damage is still there. But for a lot of people as well, it's kind of like wow, that it just felt so surreal because mm-hmm. we didn't really have any damage, and yeah, I was just like, I can't believe that. Yeah. By the next day, it was like it came up and then it was completely gone. It was still like wet down there, but not flooded by the next morning. And it was just like, gosh, it feels like so eerie that we know all of this has happened, but it's almost like you can't really tell. Yeah. Um, It was weird. In my area, yeah, it was, it's creepy, but very weird. There's so many people still recovering and people that didn't have flood cover I'm really grateful that I looked up the flood map and knew that my house was in a potential flood zone it hadn't flooded since the 2011 floods but I was like mm, I'm gonna pay for flood cover just in case yeah so lucky that I at least got on top of that one yeah well done um <laughs> and did your car your car was all good my car is fine, okay <laughs> um, yeah just a few bits and pieces to replace but nothing that I can't live without in the meantime yeah um okay so from Moving from Melbourne up to Brisbane, because mm-hmm. I started, I guess we started connecting when we were both kind of competing in bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also really curious when you started your business as well. Was that kind um, of? Yeah, it was kind of around the same time, actually. So prior to, I think my first prep, I started in 2014. And it was maybe the year before that, that I'd done my um, Cert 3 in fitness, which is the group, group fitness certificate. Um, I had gotten that actually, I was awarded that from this boot camp that I did. And it was one of the like end of round prizes. You could kind of submit your name if you're interested. And, um, yep. they like, gave me the certificate three, which was amazing. Um, I guess it's kind of to recruit people to come back and work for, um, the boot camp company, which I actually ended up doing, um, and worked for them for a little bit. So I started off just with boot camps and then, um, started competing, got more into gym-based training, really fell in love with that. So then I decided I wanted to do my certificate for in fitness, which is the full personal training thing. Um, and started training clients kind of around the same time that I competed in my first show. So I think it was maybe a few months after my first show that I started kicking things off. I was still working for the boot camp, then doing um, like working for another business. And I just had all these people start to inquire, um, I guess, who had followed my transformation and my sort of getting to stage journey and saw that I'd recently become certified and, and asked me to, you know, write in the program or help them out. Um, so it happened really naturally and organically, which was really cool and really fortunate. Um, back then, I mean, 2014, 2015, there wasn't a lot of online coaching at the time either. It was quite yeah. a niche thing. Um I mean, I'm sure there were some people that were doing it, but it wasn't like it is now where almost all kind of trainers also have some kind of online capacity. So I had to really figure out how to do things in terms of systems and processes and how am I going to do check-ins and what kind of service I'm going to offer. So it kind of took me maybe six months to find my groove. I only had a few clients at a time initially and just kind of got the feedback from them as well on what I could be doing better and how to kind of automate a few things and formalize a few things. And um, it just really grew from there. And I guess as I kept competing, more people got invested in my journey and what I was up to. So my following grew um, and obviously having a larger following was really helpful for my business and getting more eyes on my page and, and clicks through. So my inquiry forms and things like that. So 
um, it did really go hand in hand in terms of my competing journey over that yep. two and a half years and the kind of main part of my growth of my business. Um, so very blessed to have had that and to have all had it really just be natural and organic and not have to, um, not that I didn't have to work hard because I've worked incredibly hard, but I think just things have fallen into my lap in terms of opportunities that I've then taken and run with and tried yeah. to make the most of it and really capitalize on, um, you know, the momentum that I had. So yeah, that kind of got me to today, I guess. <laughs> it definitely one of the hardest workers that I know. And I definitely Aww. look up to you in that space. Thank like you. the time, dedication and commitment mm. that I've seen you put into your work, like it blows me away. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm definitely trying to step back this year though. Um, I've run myself into the ground in the past, especially sort of 2019 and 2020, the first half of 2020 were really my peak um, years in terms of how many clients I was taking on. I was doing all these new projects. I built this new website, I was filming all these videos and I was like absolutely smashing myself and it paid off. And 2019, I think was my highest earning year for my business out of the six plus years I've had my business. And it was, it was amazing growth for me, but I definitely hit a wall. And by the time the pandemic came around, I was really grateful to have slightly less clients, just naturally people can really afford this extra luxury yeah. and things quieten down. And now I've taken it an even further step back and really just tried to keep my client list really small um, and more detailed and give more time to each individual client and not be stretching myself so thin. And that's felt really good, even though it's probably not great timing with all my house dramas and things <laughs> to pay for. Yeah. Um, but I feel really good about the work that I'm doing and the shifts I've kind of made in the last few years as well. Yeah, nice. Um, and just touching a little bit more on the bodybuilding, mm-hmm. what what got you into it initially? Is it something that you kind of just fell in? Um, yeah, what attracted you to bodybuilding? Um, well, back in 2014, like it wasn't as much of a thing again as it is now. Like it's so well known, whereas it wasn't, especially on social media, it wasn't really as out there. Um, so I had just gone with a friend whose sister was competing and we just went to support her. And I saw, you know, how hard she'd been training and working. And I saw all these people on stage that were like tan and smiling and looked so confident and had these abs. And I had been on this fitness journey over the prior couple of years. Um, I'd already lost some weight and was getting into weight training and making all these changes and working in a boot camp and all that good stuff. And just kind of saw it as like, oh, wow, this is a great opportunity to push myself, see what my body's capable of. Um, like maybe I can get abs or like it'll be a great way to lose those last few kilos. So I kind of saw it as this little push and like end stage of my fitness journey. Um, yeah. I, kind of, I didn't realize at the time that um, don't stay looking like that either. <laughs> so yeah. that was a little bit of a, um, a shock once I actually got into it and saw that it's not really a sustainable thing to achieve or maintain. Um, so I kind of changed my opinion on it but yeah in terms of getting started it was really just like a, oh cool like this might be the final chapter for me of like what can my body do um so it was exciting and it was the first time I'd really had like a coach so yep. I, I learned a lot though which was really valuable yeah and what was the whole bodybuilding experience like for you because I know 
you were quite successful and then there were a few struggles along the way. Can you talk us through yeah. what that journey was like? I don't know how successful I was at it because I didn't really place very much. <laughs> I think I placed in my very first show, I got like a third and a fourth or something and then I didn't place again until one of my last shows. So there was nine shows in a two-year period and most of wow. them I, I didn't place, didn't even get, you know, call-outs or anything. Um, I can't say I had the right shape for it, especially in the federations I ended up choosing. I'm still cursing that I never did WBFF because I feel like that just would have been such a fun, fun show to do. Also it, it is. It is. <laughs> and it I is feel like I'm such like a character and a, a showy kind of person. It totally would have been my element. So that's probably my one regret. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like the journey as a whole was a mixed bag for me. There were a lot of pros that came with it. It was amazing to feel this drive and this work ethic and mm-hmm. have something to really propel me and to see, like, what I was capable of. And show day itself was always so much fun. Like, I loved the bikinis and the being on stage part and, you know, having the background in dance. Like, I just loved being on stage and kind of doing yep. my thing in those few seconds that you get. <laughs> um, but then obviously there were a lot of pros as well, especially, uh, sorry, cons. Um, cramming nine shows into two and a yeah, bit years was a lot. A lot. A lot. Um, there was a lot on my body. There was only one season that I didn't do, which was the one straight after my first show. So I competed in May in, um, I did INDA and um, another one of the small ones. I can't remember what it's called, down the Gold Coast. Um, and that was super fun and I loved it. And I took the next season off. Um, I ended up getting my groups done in that period as well. Not show related, but I kind of needed to take some time off training. Um, but then I came back for the following season and I switched federations to IFBB. And that's yep. where I stayed for the rest of the time. And basically I did four shows a year, like two at the start of the year, two at the end of the year for the next kind of two years. And it was a lot because it was so back to back. So it was exhausting and grueling and I was never placing so then I was always so determined to be you know better and leaner and take on all the feedback and change this and build that and it was um it took a huge toll on my body especially not getting those breaks and I would have maybe a couple of weeks after each show where I could relax ever so slightly and then it was like okay I've got to start all over again I've got to lose any weight that I've gained in these few weeks and then more and it was, yeah, really tiring and just kind of this constant dieting and really everything else taking a backseat, which was really yep. difficult at times, especially in terms of having social life and, you know, date nights with my partner and even, even things like work at times started to suffer, especially the closer I got to each show, yep. the more tired I got. I even noticed when I was doing sort of face-to-face personal training sessions I would find myself sitting down subconsciously mm. in the middle of a session with the client and I didn't even realise and this was just my body really trying to preserve energy and I would just be sitting and be like, I don't even remember doing that, but here I am sitting, I'll get myself up and, you know, it's really weird things like that just from, um, yeah, not not feeling as much as I really needed to and I had told myself it was for my sport and I'm an athlete and all that yeah. stuff, which, you know, to some extent, yes, but I definitely had periods where I, I took it a little far and it was not a healthy thing. So I always find it so interesting when, um, you know, people are in kind of peak 
show condition and everyone thinks, wow, like they look so healthy and they look so fit. And the closer you get to your show, really the less healthy and less fit you are, you're tired, depleted, you can't train as much or everything kind of needs to be paired back. You're weak, you're hungry, and it's, um, it's yeah. not the picture that we think it is. Yeah. And what kind of changed for you? What was the shift for you from doing all these shows and competing to, I guess, essentially where you are now? What kind of started that domino effect for you? Um, I definitely hit a point where I knew I needed to stop. And at the time, it was really more of just a break. I wasn't sure if I would come back to competing, but I kind of wanted to take at least sort of a year off to recover, um, you know, rebuild my social life, repair things with my boyfriend and kind of get back into, you know, spontaneous date nights and all those things we've been missing out on and just give my body a break because I was just really falling apart by the end of that last season. I was exhausted and just really over it and just wanted to not diet for a little while basically and just kind of live my life a little bit more and get my energy and my sparkle back. Um, But sort of when I had stopped competing initially because I'd been in this period of restriction for almost two years straight with very minimal breaks I was so feeling so deprived from the foods that I loved to eat that I would kind of have here and there throughout prep but not as freely as I would have liked to and so once I kind of opened the floodgates I was really struggling with binge eating for several months Um, it was really bad for probably the first three months where it was almost daily binges or I would really try and then the next day tell myself okay I'm gonna get back on track now I've been eating too much I'm gaining weight so quickly I'll be good again today and then by the end of the night it was like I would flip the switch and I was really struggling with that and then sort of over the next six months or so got back in the groove in terms of working through that binge eating um, getting a healthier relationship with food from there not rushing back into dieting and just kind of finding my feet again. So the post show sort of six to 12 months was really actually quite rough and almost harder, I guess, than the competing yeah. in, a, in a different way, especially in terms of, you know, the eating disorder scope. I was never diagnosed, but definitely, definitely would have met the criteria for binge eating disorder around that time. Um, so I'm just really glad that I pushed myself to put in the work where I needed to, to move through that. Um, I didn't really have anyone help me um, yeah. through that because my coach just was not, that's not his area of specialty. Um, I, I saw a psychologist for a while and I was like, look, I just want to learn to eat like a normal person, but she wasn't really versed in disordered eating. So she was you know, just giving me some strategies that weren't really working. So I kind of had to dig myself out of that hole. Um, but I did eventually. <laughs> um, and I just was like, okay, now that I'm in this great place and I have a good relationship with food, I can, have my energy back. I'm loving, you know, going for Friday drinks and all those good things. I was like, I have missed this. I don't yeah. want to miss out on this anymore. And I just was happy to kind of say goodbye to all of them. Yeah. And that's kind of a big part of the journey. That's where you are now. So you're in a space where you are a counsellor. Mm-hmm. And so what was that transition like going from, are you still a little bit in the fitness industry now or yeah. are you kind of stepping yeah. away so from that? I do both. And that was, again, another really organic thing that I kind of fell into in that as my journey was changing, um, my audience was changing on social media, and then, you know, I was attracting clients that were more in the headspace that I was in. So 
um, I was still working all through the time that I was struggling with my binge eating and I'm, I'm quite good at separating my personal issues from my work and I made sure I really looked after all of my clients to the very best of my abilities um, while I was kind of dealing with my stuff behind the scenes. But as I had worked through that and developed all these new skills and ways of doing things, I wanted to start doing that for my clients to really minimize as much harm as possible in terms of I was still working with clients on fat loss goals and things like that. And I don't inherently think it's a bad thing, but there are definitely times where it can be problematic. And I did not want to contribute any further to any of those negatives that come with that side of things. Um, So I started to shift the way I coached clients, put less emphasis on like the scale changes, really prioritize all those non-scale victories and different ways of goal setting and things like that. So that again, just was really organic and just shift along my own mindset and felt a lot more fulfilling. But as I did that, I noticed I was attracting more clients that did have eating issues that I felt like I could give them my personal experience, but it was kind of outside of my scope to really work with them on a professional level. So I had referred a few clients out to psychologists and to dietitians and things like that, but it was something I was so passionate about and wanted to learn about. Um, So then I started studying a little bit more to be able to just help my clients more. Um, So I never really intended to be a counsellor as such. I kind of just wanted to do the diploma to get the skills that I needed in order to like help my clients feel comfortable and open up and really support them as best as possible. And then the kind of eating disorder courses to help fine tune the way that I was approaching my clients' nutrition and body image. Um, But once I had finished my course, I was like, oh, I'm actually really good at this. I did my placement. I had my like trial sessions and I was like, wow, like I'm good at this and I, I love it. And it feels so rewarding so I've just kind of been juggling both over the last um just under 18 months I think um and yeah it's great I love it so I still run my health and fitness coaching business um but it's very different to what it was I don't do challenges I don't prioritize fat loss or anything like that I mostly work with clients on developing a really healthy relationship with food and their body and with exercise and more often than not it's about dieting less and training less of a lot of the clients that I work with coming from, you know, potentially disordered backgrounds where they've been really obsessive with food or push themselves to train all the time. And it's about creating that happy place in the middle for them that isn't restrictive, that isn't YOLO and like what does kind of a a balanced routine look like for you? And that's what I help facilitate for them. So um, it's, it's a far more rewarding way for me to work with people on their fitness goals and see them get stronger and more confident and make great food choices and, eat intuitively and it's um yeah it's it's been really personally fulfilling I guess to change the kind of clients that I work with and just really fills my cup up and then I also have my counseling as well um which I do one day in person um but the rest of the week I have online sessions because most of my clients are in state um yep and that I work with a range of different um topics really I do general mental health anxiety um obviously I specialize in body image and eating issues so I do have a lot of clients around that kind of thing um but yeah it's a nice mix I feel like it's a good balance for me now yeah so the fitness and the counseling that's something that you feel you're going to work hand in hand for a while yeah I think so yeah I think they complement each other really nicely it's just figuring out where do they cross over and sometimes some clients I like a good fit for both so it really depends on what they need um but more often than not there's usually a pretty clear cut of whether they need me as a coach including all the training plans or whether they need me as a counselor to more unpack you know their beliefs and 
their behaviors and things like that. So, um, but yeah, sometimes clients just kind of cross over as well in that way, but that's why I've, I've added on as well in terms of my coaching, um, the option to do coaching calls each week, which really are like mini counseling sessions too. Yeah. So it, it is that deeper level of coaching where it's not just about, yeah, follow this program, but it's where are you struggling in terms of your relationship with food this week? Can we start to challenge maybe some of your trigger foods or let's work through um, things like how to look through, um, sorry, how to identify your hunger cues for people who have dieted for so long and they've just kind of tuned those out and it's what does that look like? And let's maybe have day-to-day chats to give me an update on anything that you're noticing and observing and then let's go into further detail in our calls. So my services have really taken this whole other level and been able to help people so much more than previously. Mm. And it's, it's a lot of emotional labor and it's a, it's a hard job to do in terms of it can be quite draining um, energetically, but then also it recharges me at the same time because I get off calls and I'm like, I'm so happy that that client is progressing and I'm so proud of them. And I just feel like my work is so much more purposeful than ever before. So it just yeah. feels so good. It's really fulfilling, isn't it? Yeah. And I love I love hearing you talk about it. Mm. So during that transition, so going from like bodybuilding, would you say what would you say your approach to the bodybuilding was? Like nine shows in two years is mm-hmm. a lot. Like that was mm-hmm. quite that was hardcore. Like what what was your drive to do that many shows in such a short period of time? I don't even know if it was an intentional thing. I think I just really got caught up in it and I enjoyed it, but I also, you know, all of my friends were doing it. I'd kind of met people along the way and had this group of friends that we were all competing in the same shows together. Um, And I think just also people following my journey and being so invested and cheering me on was great in some ways and it was it felt so supportive and everyone was always wishing me luck and telling me I looked amazing and all these great things but then also I think there was a bit of an underlying pressure of that I had built my following based on people investing in my journey and then as a result of that I built my business off being this competitor and looking a certain way so I think there was some positive motivations but also there was just this pressure of I don't know if I can not do this because I feel like everything is riding on me being this competitor. So it was this massive fear of, okay, well, if I stopped competing, then would anyone care about me? Would people unfollow me? Would anyone still want to work with me? So I was really hesitant to let that go. And I think that's yeah. that's where I was struggling in the last sort of season or two, I think. So my last show was pretty much exactly five years ago, actually. Now it was like the 20th of March, I think. Um, in 2017 so it was yeah a little over five years Um, and I knew the season before that that I really should have been stopping that was late 2016 and I was like I'm run down my boyfriend at the time was like I don't think that this is going to work out for us like if you just Mm. can't go anywhere you're always tired you're cranky like it was it was a lot on a relationship um and I kind of just pushed through one more season because I really wanted to do um, the Arnold Classic again. So I've just got to just get one more Arnold in and then I can stop. So I kind of really shouldn't have done that. I really should have taken a break. Um, but I, I got through that last season just to kind of tick that off my bucket list. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of a rough ending where it was definitely the hardest slog towards the end. So, yeah, it was really 
by that point, just pushing myself to get it done and to get on stage. And there were still positives and it was still kind of fun to some extent, but I was also just really nervous about what would happen once I stopped. <laughs> yeah, I felt that too, a bit of like an identity shift almost yeah. going from like this, you know, WBFF pro to then becoming a mother to mm. choosing, you know, not to compete for a period. I, I might in the future I kind of still have a little bit of that ooh, in the back of me. Yeah, That's like, oh, I'd like to see what happens again. But yeah, I, I totally understand kind of that big shift and a lot of mm. the fears surrounding that. Um, it also made a statement saying that you didn't realise that you, the body comp of a competitor um, was something that you could maintain throughout. Mm. So what was that like? after competing so when you I guess you'd said you were just going to have a break initially Mm -hmm. and you um, mentioned that you'd gone through that binge eating Mm -hmm. was it hard for you to see your body changing like what did you have to work through there yeah it was really hard I gained probably 10 to 12 kilos in the first like two or three months I don't remember the exact time frame but it was it was quite quickly that like a fair bit of weight came on straight away and I was really struggling with that and obviously with binge eating you also hold a lot of fluid you feel puffy and it was such a rapid shift for me that I really struggled I was so uncomfortable in the gym I wasn't feeling good about you know taking selfies and that's such a big part of what I do I mean not as much now but I was so active back then on social media and gym selfies almost every day and all that stuff um so I had this period of just like not only the identity crisis, like you mentioned, where I was like, everyone knows me as a competitor and now like, what what am I? Who am I? Um, but also the changes in my body were just so much discomfort and I hadn't been that weight for two to three years. Like I kind of bounced straight back to where I had started pre-competing, um, which wasn't my highest weight, but, you know, it was still quite uncomfortable for me because I was like, well, no one's really seen me look like this before. How are they going to perceive this? Are people going to leave mean comments? I did get that here and there, but it was actually not as much as I thought. Um, and I just tried to be as open as possible with that process and just really, you know, I, I spoke about it really honestly on my stories and you know, I'm not scared of crying on my stories if I need to let something out. Um, I don't do it as much now, but I definitely, you know, I have never been one to like overly force myself on social media in that way. Um, so everyone kind of knew that I was struggling with kind of getting the groove with my body and I, you know, didn't hide the fact that I was struggling with binge eating. I did make that clear. Um, that was something that was really hard for me that I was working through. Um, and I got so much love and support, which was instrumental, I think, in my healing journey was mm. to see that people didn't just turn on me because I changed my identity or because I was struggling with, you know, my relationship with food and my body Um, and to have so many people just be so loving and supportive along the way was really such a helpful thing for me and such a blessing that obviously not everyone has, Um, but I've just obviously built such a great community that I had people DMing me and checking in on me and that was like so heartwarming and really made it a lot easier for me to be like, okay, well, these people are still here sticking by me, even though I've gained all this weight. So maybe I just need to put that to the side and start to focus on, you know, just being a good influence again towards people and and finding my own groove and feeling good in myself. Um, So I did a lot of mindset work around 
yeah, identity and just who was I and what did I have to offer the world that wasn't just me yeah. having abs and, you know, inspiring people to also want to have abs. Um, and I think that's where just so much more purpose came through for me where it was less superficial and it was more impactful in ways that I felt really good about um, and just focusing on being a good person instead of just looking good um, really just changed the way that I approached life. So it made all of my, you know, connections more valuable and, and more deep and allowed me the time and the energy to study more for my business and, you know, put more time and energy into my friendships. And I think that was just such a blessing and while it was like a hard thing to go through, especially in that initial sort of three to six months where I was really just not feeling good in my body, the more time I gave it and the more I just focused on what was actually really important to me, the less my body actually became in the grand scheme of things. So I was like, eh, even if I don't love every single inch of how I look, it just doesn't bother me as much as it used to. So I think even though I'd been really lean and had abs and all that good stuff, I was still really self-conscious then too. Um, yeah. So it's actually really interesting to see that now I'm like far heavier than I was then. I'm probably I'm around 20 kilos, I think, more than I was at my leanest when I was competing. Um, and strangely, I'm the most confident that I've ever been. So it's just one of those things that just kind of goes to show. It's not actually about your body, but how you think. How you perceive yourself, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and that all has to do with who we are, like you said, mm-hmm. who we are and what we genuinely can offer um, the world I'm all about giving back as well as taking what I need so mm-hmm. and it's it's really awesome having seen you go through this journey and you know celebrating where you are now and the person you are and you know the body that you're living in now and yeah it's just it's super cool to see so many of your accomplishments along the way I know that you're doing like some modeling for um uh, muscle nation yeah miles yeah. what's <laughs> that experience been like? it's so cool they're such a great company to work with um and they're really trying to um become more inclusive over time i've been working with them on also hopefully getting them to expand their size ranges in future so that's something we've kind of talked about um but I just think that they're like such a great like local Brisbane business that have just completely blown up. And actually the funniest story that I don't know if I've, I've spoken to him about, but um, one of the two owners of Muscle Nation, he was actually working for EHP Labs a very long time ago. And he was the first person to ever give me like a collaboration. Um, yeah, wow. He, he like sent me some oxy shred like way, way, way back. So that was my first like little like influencer moment ever. And now it's just come full circle that he's yeah. running his own massive business. Um, and that now I'm um, yeah on their website. Website it's crazy. Um, it's so much fun, and they're just such lovely people. And the fact that they are so encouraging of me, just showing up how I look. Like sometimes there's you know, no notice for a shoot and it could just be like within a couple of days and the fact that I don't feel the pressure to have to, you know, tighten up or do anything yeah. different and I can just show up as I am and that they are just happy to have me just as I am um, is really, really nice. Yeah, and I think that's a great message for so many women out there because, yeah, the first thing that came to my mind when you said um, let them contact me a couple of days out is, yeah, a lot of people would be like, oh, I need to be photo shoot ready. Mm-hmm. Like a couple of days isn't enough. And, yeah, it's just great that, like, well, that you're in a place 
with yeah. yourself and mm-hmm. you know accepting your body and you just like cool this is me let's go and yeah exactly it's nice because I, I didn't have that before in even when I was really lean and had shoots coming up I was always like well I've got to do this I've got to do that I've got to change my food and and clean it up and do this and extra cardio and like yeah. even when I was tiny felt like I had that pressure yeah. and now I'm like well they know what I look like when they book me so obviously like I can just turn up as I am other than just making sure I drink enough water so I'm not like dehydrated or you know anything like that that's literally the only thing that I do and yeah. I just yeah it's nice to be able to just turn up as I am <laughs> Yeah, that's beautiful. And with so your ex, a lot of your experiences have. Do you bring those into your current teachings with your clients? And even you post a lot of educational and inspirational mm-hmm. content on your social media as well. Yeah, I share my personal journey where it's relevant. I guess in terms of counselling, like I really try and keep self disclosure to a minimum, just because that's a you know a boundaries thing and an ethical kind of way to work but where it's relevant and will help the client sometimes you know having them hear relatable things of what I've been through can be Mm -hmm. really helpful for them just to feel seen and heard and know that I get it um but especially with a lot of my coaching clients yeah like uh, most of them follow me on social media so they kind of often know a lot about what I've been through and will ask me questions anyway but I'm very much an open book if anyone kind of wants to know anything about what I've experienced and how I've been able to work through that and I guess the things that I have done in terms of activities and strategies and learnings, I've definitely used that in my work, whether it is just talking through it with clients or expanding on, you know, certain ebooks and programs and things like that. I really try and use my knowledge in terms of personal experience as well as education and, you know, evidence-based strategies to put together something that I think will really best help my clients. So that's kind of where my most recent program, Befriending Your Body, was kind of yes. born out of. Um, so this is a, I only started running this program late last year. Um, it's an eight-week coaching program that's basically like an e-course um, with a series of modules over eight weeks as well as weekly coaching um, to kind of help unpack each module and, and apply it to the individual. Um, so it's all about creating a healthy relationship with food and your body. Um, it tackles a lot around breaking up with binge eating and letting go of rules and restrictions and kind of finding your feet again in that regard as well as a lot on body image. Um, And so much of that course was from my own experience and then being interested in things that I was experiencing and going and researching and learning and doing additional courses. And I I am constantly like reading books and listening to podcasts and doing little workshops and things to get the most knowledge possible. So I've, I've wrapped up a lot of that into this one program um that I'm just so incredibly proud of um so it's, it's probably like my life's best work um and you know there's things are always a work in progress and I'm sure I'll update it even more each round um but the feedback I've had from those clients like I literally cry like I no, just feel so like is that not the best feeling yeah. like we are so lucky to be able to do what we do and even when it is stressful or draining or I'm just exhausted by the end of the day or the week like I wouldn't change it for the world because the way that I help clients now, like I know that genuinely their lives are so much better and like it's wild to even think that we have that kind of an influence on other people and their lives. And it's just, yeah, it's so great to be a part of that and to be doing the kind of work that I do now. So 
yeah, I kind of just use a mix of everything I've learned along the way and say if I can help a client, then I will put it out there. I'll package it up in whatever kind of format they need um, and just, yeah, try and really help everyone as best I can. So binge eating and body image are large components of yeah. what you help women through. Yeah. Can you give us some, so if someone was kind of, they felt they were struggling with binge eating, is there a first step or a couple of first steps that they could take? Yeah, the first step I would say would be to observe a little bit more neutrally what's happening in the pattern of your binge eating so that you can get to know what your triggers are. Um, A lot of people just jump straight to beating themselves up over binges, thinking that it's just, you know, I don't have enough willpower, I need to try harder, and just getting those guilty, shameful, like frustrated kind of feelings um, and switching to a more just curious lens of why is this coming up for me and can I see where this pattern is stemming from and what is maybe triggering me is the best way to really be able to work back from that. So there's usually like three main things that will trigger binge eating and it kind of shows up in different forms, but one would be around physical deprivation or restriction. So being excessively hungry, really low calories, things like that. Um, The second would be uh, mental restriction. So things around food rules, all or nothing thinking, um, saying you can't have chocolate at all, so you try and avoid it. And then as soon as you have a little bit, you feel like you've broken that rule and so then you kind of go all or nothing. Um, That's a really big one as well. And then the third would be around a difficulty in regulating your emotions. So that really ties the emotional leading side of things into it. Um, And some people can have one or all three and it can show up in so many different ways. So really getting curious on where this is coming from and is this an unmet need that my body's just trying to use binge eating to solve can help you say, all right, well, maybe binge eating is actually the solution to another problem instead of the binge eating Mm -hmm. being the problem itself. I like that. I like that approach. Yeah, Yeah. when you can shift the focus to what is the actual problem underneath and are there other ways that I can combat that problem, a lot of the time naturally the binge eating just reduces and and drifts away anyway because you're solving the underlying problem. Yeah. And what about with body image? If I was Mm -hmm. kind of struggling with accepting where my body was through a stage of life, Mm -hmm. what could I kind of focus on initially to help me move through that? Um, I would say probably the best place to start is focusing on zooming out. That's kind of the way I phrase it with my clients in that we often zoom in on just our body and every little thing that we don't like and we miss all the things about ourselves that we do like or that are valuable or that mean things to other people. So taking a step back and saying, okay, even if I don't love my body and that's okay, you don't have to love every inch of yourself and be wrong with feeling like you want to make changes, but can I put this to the side and say, this is just one small part of me. It's just my external appearance, but what else do I have to offer? What else is important to me? What might be falling by the wayside in my pursuit of changing my body? And sometimes I have clients write a bit of a list of things that they like about themselves um, to really just put the focus on what's really important. So are you funny, loyal? Do you have skills? Are you great at your job? Are you an amazing mother or partner? Can we put more emphasis on those kinds of things that if, you know, God forbid you were to pass away, what would your legacy be? What would be really missed by the people around you? Because it's certainly not going to be how you look. No, Um, it really gives a F at the end of the day, do they? Yeah, exactly. And I just would hate for 
people to get to the end of their lives and be, you know, old and on their deathbed and be like, oh, gosh, like I spent so much time obsessing over what I was eating and how I was looking and not being present in moments that I should have been making memories and it's just such a sad thought to have so much time wasted. And that's not to say that you're, you can't want to change your body, but I think when we zoom into just this is the most important thing and we let everything else just kind of become less important, it, it just doesn't feel as good and as satisfying in life. And a lot of the time when you prioritise how you look over everything else, you might get to your goal weight or goal size or whatever and then feel still really unfulfilled because all yeah. of the other things that are important to you have just completely been ignored, like social life and enjoying food and memory-making things. Um, so, yeah, trying to just kind of look at your life and who you are as a whole um, and maybe writing that list of things that you like about yourself can be really impactful just to say, oh, like even if one little piece of the puzzle is not perfect and not the way I want it, like where else do I have value? Where do I feel impactful? What makes me feel good as a person and you know, my unique qualities and things like that? Yeah, and I've actually asked my friends and family what they love about me as yes, well before. I love that. Yeah, sometimes I can struggle to when I'm in those moments mm-hmm. really think of those things that I like about myself so hearing it from someone else can just give a little bit of that external validation that you need sometimes to yeah absolutely sometimes I prompt my clients to do that as well and I think it's always so eye-opening the things that come back that they're like oh wow I didn't realize that people saw me in this way or that they appreciated or noticed this thing that I do for them and it can be a really lovely thing and then you can you know send them some nice things back and it's this beautiful two-way street of just loving and appreciating on each other and Um, connection connection as well yeah exactly but I I think it just gives such great perspective on what other people think because I'm pretty sure yeah they're not gonna go wow you were so skinny when you competed I liked you so much more I really like your legs like that's (laughs) not what they're gonna say and whether they notice how you look or not like it's not the things that they value and really care about so yeah it's a great way to kind of flip that perspective I think yeah um and in your bio too you've got a statement there that says without the diet culture bs so Mm -hmm. Can we touch a little bit on what what does diet culture mean to you? Because I know it's just the term diet culture is just for, it is thrown around mm-hmm. a lot. Um, yeah. So what does it mean for you? And I guess what are you trying to step outside of when it comes to that? Um, I guess in a nutshell, diet culture to me is a system or an industry of beliefs and external rules basically around how we should look what we should eat what we should weigh and it's very external and it's all about not even really treating you as an individual essentially and just saying Mm. here you should fit into this particular box and some people naturally fit into that box and that's all well and good for this tiny you know amount of people that might fit the current beauty standards but for most people it's just not applicable and it can actually be really harmful to be squeezing ourselves into this box that doesn't fit for us, that doesn't feel good for us, that is dictating all these external things. And so in moving away from that, what I really try and do with clients is identify where are your thoughts and beliefs and behaviours purely revolving around these external influences and is that something that matters to you? So is it that you are thinking you need to eat a particular way because that's what you've picked up from, you know, a challenge you've done or a 
website article or something like that and does that actually apply to you? Because a lot of the time the answer is no or maybe to some degree but not to the level that they've taken it. So even things like hitting a protein target, for example, not a bad thing whatsoever, but so many clients come to me saying, oh, I've been prescribed to have, you know, 180 grams of protein a day and I'm really struggling to hit it and, and I'm actually a vegetarian and I have to eat so, <laughs> have so much yeah. like, protein powder. And, and when I talk through that, it's like, okay, well, this might be fine for someone. It's quite a lot of protein, especially. That's a you lot know? of protein. Yeah, yeah, like that's a lot even for a meat eater. I think I would personally struggle with that. And so it's this like striving to follow this rule that someone has said this is the best way to do this particular thing and that you must do it. And it completely disregards what are my preferences, what are my beliefs in terms of being vegetarian or vegan, do mm. I like eating this way? And it's just kind of totally disregarding that. So I really try and work with my clients on getting back in touch with what does actually work for them. What does healthy and balanced eating and movement look like for them? Is that the five or six days of weight training that they've just always followed blindly? Or is it that they actually just really don't like being at the gym and maybe they want to do dance classes or hikes yeah. or just walk more? And really just kind of defining your own rules or abolishing the rules altogether, essentially, um, to just figure out, like, who are you as an individual and what actually feels good? Yeah. So these external influences seem to have a big impact on a lot of people. And, like, is social media a big thing to blame here or the media in general um, yeah i mean social intake? media yeah it definitely comes into play i wouldn't say that's the individual thing it's more of a vessel i guess of a way to perpetuate those sort of already established beliefs and rules um but it definitely can spread like wildfire on social media especially with fitness influencers and personal trainers and people just kind of even like wellness influencers sometimes can just say the craziest shit <laughs> and I'm like where did you get this from and I have to put my hand up and say I've contributed to this in the past mm. too and there have been things that I've completely changed my stance on like I used to say that BCAAs were a great thing to take and essentially they're kind of a bit of a waste of money they can be like mildly helpful but they're not they're not what I thought that they were yeah. and that was from studies I learned that I did a sports nutrition certification and I was trained to to do this thing and then even that provider changed their stance years later so that's been dramatically changed i used to think that fasted cardio was like a great way to burn fat and really it makes no difference if you're fasted or mm. fed and like there are so many things that i have changed my stance on that i know i perpetuated maybe in the not greatest way in the past and that's why i'm really trying to kind of overcorrect essentially now and say look let's identify anything that is just not good for you right now that is not feeling right that is too extreme and let's just really pair it back to like what what feels good as an individual but yeah, I would say yeah, right. media social media even us growing up and watching like certain movies and tv shows and perpetuating fat phobia a lot of the time it's it's so ingrained in us from such an early age even Things like um, Dolly Magazine and, and Girlfriend yeah. Magazine used to have articles on like losing weight or look a certain way for, you know, to impress the boys and there are so many different, oh, just excuse me. <laughs> it, yeah. yeah, and that was like from such an early age. Um, there have even been studies on like cartoons on Disney Channel and Nickelodeon on the way that women's bodies are depicted versus 
men's bodies in cartoons and the difference even in um, smaller bodied cartoons versus bigger bodied cartoons a lot of the time. The smaller females are seen as like the beautiful ones, like the bouncy hair, they're the main character and a lot of the bigger ones are things like Ursula from The Little Mermaid. The evil or the dopey, you know, chubby kind of friend and that would have really created these beliefs in our own head around we have to look a certain way from the time we were little kids. So it's such a multi-layered conversation, I guess, of where we've picked this up from. But the good news is that a lot of these thoughts and behaviours have been learned from exposure to these things. And so anything that we've learned, we can unlearn. It just takes a little bit of work in terms of, getting back into what do I actually believe about myself? What do I value? Yeah. But what actually matters to me in terms of how I look or how I behave um, and trying to just, yeah, put aside all of those external things and just really bring it back to the internal. And was body image or bodies in general something that was spoken about as you grew up as a child? Yeah, definitely. My yeah. mum was an aerobics instructor yeah. <laughs> back in the 80s and she was a babe. Um, but she was always in Lycra and she was like very fitness conscious. And I guess through the 80s and 90s, like that was where like that kind of Lycra fitness craze was like a, a really big thing. It was booming. And that's where a lot of the diet started to kick off and calorie counting was kind of booming and all of those kinds of things. So I picked up a lot of habits from her. Like she totally it was subconscious. Her. This is not anything yeah. bad to say against my wonderful mom. Um, but, you know, I saw her dieting and she would do the calorie counting or that I shouldn't eat this or I'm going to do the soup diet. And then as I kind of got a little older, even like from 11 and 12, I remember doing little diets with my mom or changing the way I was eating and yeah, like noticing even body comments and things like that throughout my younger years. Like there are a few kind of really like memories that are burnt into my brain of certain things throughout. Like I, I remember the first time I was called fat or seven. Mm. I can tell you exactly where I was, what I was wearing. And that was kind of this like really pivotal moment for me of that I knew that there were bigger bodies and smaller bodies. And to me, like yeah. I was just looking at differences with a completely curious and non-judgmental lens. Yeah. But when it was first kind of used towards me as an insult and a way for someone that was intentionally trying to hurt my feelings, I was like, oh, like, okay, maybe like being fat is a bad thing. And that just totally shifted the way that I viewed things from literally the age of seven, which is really sad. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that I feel is so important to talk to our kids about. And yeah. it's something that I definitely do more so with Jax because he's just that bit older. He's four yeah. and a half and notices yeah. a lot of things. But yeah, he came home one day from school at four or maybe it was mm-hmm. even three and was like oh can't remember this kid's name but they were calling him fat and I was like Mm. well like maybe he is like I'm Mm. not gonna sugarcoat it maybe he does have some more body fat than you do or other people do (laughs) but then I continue to say but that's what makes humans super cool is that we're all different and we have Mm. all different body types and all different shapes and sizes and you know you've got blonde hair and this person's got brown hair. So we talk a lot about the diversity yeah. of different people. And I did let him know that, you know, saying something in a way that's mean about someone's appearance isn't a nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. But what we can do is appreciate everyone for what they do offer. Do you think educating children and talking about, our, like, do we even talk about our bodies? Like what sort of mm. approach should we take 
with our children. Yeah, I mean, the way you've done it with Jack sounds amazing. I can't speak to motherings. I don't have my own child, but I definitely think that, yeah, neutralising the conversation is really important, just like you've done to say, well, you know, kids have eyeballs. They're going to notice when people <laughs> yeah. look different, yeah. but not everything needs a comment and not yeah. everything has to be criticised either. Like using fat as an insult is definitely something that really just needs to go in the bin. Um, yeah. You know, it's a descriptive word, just like tall or short or, you know, it doesn't have to be something derogatory. Not everyone would want to be called fat because not everyone is there, but also there are, you know, fat liberationists that have reclaimed that word and don't see it in a bad way at all. Um, But I think just taking the focus away from bodies as much as possible um, with young ones is, is really good and just coming back to that whole zooming out and are you smart? Are you funny? What are you great at? Let's really just like put all of our time and energy into like being a person that you enjoy being um, just makes the physical stuff a little less important. And then it kind of just naturally quietens that, that chatter around, yeah, talking about other people's appearances. There's nothing wrong with observing that someone looks different, just like you would with, you know, different color hair, but yeah, it's, it's watching the language around it. That's really important and how much time we give to those conversations. So even moms with, kids um who don't realize maybe what gets picked up on in terms of your eating habits Mm. and are you picking yourself apart in the mirror and do you ask your partner do my arms look big in this and change and do you have a little one maybe overhearing that that you you know think it's such a throwaway comment um but that's where a lot of our opinions are shaped from such an early age and so we learn what lens to see the world through from our parents and from school um, so at formative ages, yeah, I think really trying to be particularly mindful of of the way that you carry yourself can always be a really good thing, but that's also a lot of pressure. <laughs> you know, we're all humans and no one's perfect and I'm sure there are so many parents out there where they're struggling themselves with their relationship with food yeah. and their body and it's just all about kind of doing your best, being the best influence you can, but also not beating yourself up if you don't get it right every single time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um- that's awesome. Thank you, Sammy. I was just oh, really, because that, that wasn't on our question list either. That was just <laughs> something that I thought about because, yeah, I, I am really conscious because um, I had something similar growing up. Like my mm. mother would uh, comment on her body or other women's bodies or even mm. put women down because they were beautiful. Mm. So I am am conscious and especially being in the fitness industry yeah. um, and I'm, dieting down at the moment mm-hmm. um so i am looking at losing a little bit of body fat so i am really conscious mm-hmm. of how i eat around yeah. my kids like even like because jackson notices things he'll be like mm-hmm. oh why aren't you eating that do you mm-hmm. want some of mine and mm-hmm. rather than making comments like oh no i'm trying to lose weight or i yeah. can't have that i just I'll say something like, oh, I don't feel like that tonight. I'm yeah. really enjoying what I'm eating here. So Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I think that's a really good thing. There's actually, um, I've read a few articles. I can't think of what websites I kind of found these blog posts on, but I've read a few articles around um, how to teach kids, I guess, to eat intuitively, essentially, which is really what we naturally do as kids anyway, but just in terms of a few little um, language pointers and things like that around encouraging them to really check in with their hunger cues and their preferences and allowing them to eat the foods that they like, even if they're not always healthy and having them explore all these different options and things like that. So I think, yeah, great to be conscious of the, especially not saying like I can't or I'm trying to lose weight, but just, oh, I just really like this, you know, meal that I'm eating here and do you want some of mine? Like, and just making it really lighthearted and not um, 
tied to anything that will influence your body is probably a great way to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I'm on the right. I'm on the right track. And some Sounds like it to me. Yeah. <laughs> some helpful tips there if you're a mama as well. Um, so where can people find you? So what what services are you currently offering? So you've got your counselling. Do you still mm-hmm. have spaces open there? Yes, I do. I have um, availability most weeks. Um, so yeah, there's three kind of main ways for people to work with me. One is me as a counsellor. Um, you don't have to see me every single week either. I have people that kind of pop in as needed or do fortnightly or monthly, um, but that's a great way to kind of work through any mental health concerns. Um, you know, I can go into the body image and eating issues in that as well. Um, and then the second way to work with me is in my premium health and fitness coaching. So like I spoke about, that includes a little bit more structure in terms of training plans, weekly check-ins, and more of a health and fitness focus as well as the mindset. Um, and then I also have my Befriending Your Body program. Um, so the current round is still going, but I'll have another one mid-year, which is that eight-week program I was talking about that's more specifically around binge eating and body image. So they're kind of the three key ways to work with me. Um, everything can be found through the link in my Instagram bio. So my yep. Instagram is Sammy Rose, S-A-M-I. Rose, um, and there's a link in there where you can um, inquire for coaching or even just book a free consultation. So I offer free 15-minute video chats if anyone's just not sure if I would be a good fit or what of the three options would be the best kind of route for them. So I'm happy to just kind of jump on, see what people are struggling with and kind of give them my opinion. It's not a sales call, so I, I hate when people feel like nervous and, and don't want to be sold something. If I'm Fresh not the best fit for someone, yeah. I will tell you straight up. I actually don't think that, you know, I can accommodate what you want to work through or here are some referrals. Um, and sometimes people are just like, oh, no, I'm not ready for that yet, and that's also okay. Um, but sometimes it's nice to just kind of chat it through, um, see where you're at, and I can give some insights on what I would do if I were to work with you, and then we can just kind of go from there. Hi, so Sammy S A M I Rose is it? Yes, or anything? Sammy um, Rose, no. one word. One word. We've got some um, quick Spitfire questions to finish. Oh, okay. Oh my okay. god, I'm not very good on this. But <laughs> I always get so nervous with this. I have the worst. I think I don't. I don't know if I can blame my ADHD, but I don't have very good recall. If you're like, "What's your favorite movie?" I'd be like, "I uh, tell you a movie yeah. I've never seen in my life." <laughs> so let's test that today. Let's see how you go. Okay, right. we've got. 10 questions here. Try not to okay. think what's the first thing that comes <sighs> to your mind. Okay. Is cereal a soup? Ooh. Well, what's the alternative though? <laughs> Is this I the don't... soup or sandwich question? Because if it's soup or sandwich, it's <laughs> definitely a soup. Well, it's cereal? I guess. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes. Yeah. Pineapple on pizza? Yes, absolutely. I love pineapple. Uh, pineapple and everything. Yeah. Uh, toilet paper over or under? Oh, over, but like impartial. Doesn't really bother. <gasps> okay, at least you said over. I can, <laughs> I can give you that one. Um, <laughs> what what color describes you? Oh, purple is my favorite color, but I feel like yellow because a lot of people say that my personality is very sunshiny. So I'm going to say yellow. Yeah. And you do, you've got like some photos and stuff with your sunflowers. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, yeah, I can see that. I feel like yellow is warm. Uh, love or money? Oh, love. <laughs> the money is tempting though. Come money on. is nice, but like that's always love. When you're with money. Yeah. Uh, which Hogwarts house are you? 
Oh, I don't even know. I feel like I should do one of the quizzes. I, I, I feel like I'm Gryffindor. I reckon you would be Hufflepuff. Probably. Just really kind and caring. I think their colour is yellow as well. There you go. Definitely not yeah. Slytherin. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, what's your spirit animal? Maybe like a butterfly. I've transformed a lot of my yeah, life. Yeah, I can see that. And, yeah, I can just see you kind of like having fun, like just fluttering mm-hmm. around. about in the sun. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you were, if you were a fruit, what would you be? <laughs> yeah. This is rapid fire, but I don't even. Okay, you've got to give me a minute. Hmm. Grapes. Grapes. Yeah. Well, well, they're delicious. They are. Most people like grapes. Very few people are intolerant to grapes, so that's a good thing. And also, (laughs) they can be wine. I feel like I like the versatility. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. (laughs) I reckon that's the best one we've had yet. (laughs) And if you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, cheesecake, but I would feel very sick. Yeah. (laughs) I'm lactose intolerant, but I eat it. Oh, really? I'd go like lasagna or pasta. Mm. Yeah, that'd probably have to be a close second for me. Mm. (gasps) Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today, Sammy. It was great to get to know you a little bit more. Um, I'm really excited to share a little bit of your journey and how you help women just feel fucking awesome about themselves. Thank you. This has been so fun. It's been so good to chat to you in more detail because I feel like, yeah, we've just dm'd forever and never really been able to chat so this has been so nice (laughs) yay so don't forget you can find sammy on instagram sammy rose uh if you need some help or you just want to join an epic program she's your girl yeah dm me if you need i answer all my dms as well so feel free to pop in and i'll do my best to help (gasps) thank you so much sammy thank you bye I hope you really enjoyed this session. As always, we would greatly appreciate it if you screenshot, popped it up on your stories, tag us, let us know what resonated with you. Thank you so much, Sammy, for being here. It was great to have an awesome chat with her and we will see you guys next week.